Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tammy Thomas, founder of The 360 Brand. I am joined by Caro Gomez, and she is a fashion and textiles designer who uses her fashion skill and training, fuses it with her Latina culture to create sustainable fashion that promotes, guess what, my favourite joy. So when um, Dawn from Branded Comms connected me with her and sent me some information, as soon as I saw the words joy, mindset and money, <laughs> I was like, heck yes, I want to have a conversation with this person. So she's here with me today. Welcome, welcome, Caro. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being Good. here. So for my listeners um, that may not have come across you yet, please could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Of course. Um, so as you rightly said, I am a fashion and textile designer. Um, I wouldn't have called myself that about a year ago. <laughs> so uh, that's been a learning curve. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am originally from El Salvador, which is in Central America. And I came to London uh, in 2004 uh, because, well, I had a dream of becoming a fashion designer. And uh, I thought, well, London is the place to go and do that. Um, I mean, I didn't start in London. I went to Italy first, but that didn't work out. So I ended up in London. And, um, you know, 2019, I'm still here. So hey, <laughs> it's been home for me. So, Good. Yeah, great. Tell us about your fashion brand. Um, so I think Caro Gomez is really, I mean, it is a fashion brand, but it's, it's such a personal, um, sort of, uh, manifestation of my journey mm-hmm. in life that it really embodies, um, you know, personality traits of mine, which is about playfulness. It's about joyfulness and it's about being powerful in your own skin. Um, and it's taken me, you know, for the past 10 years um, to, to kind of come to that realization. And Caro Gomez, uh, the clothing brand, is a physical, uh, tangible thing that you can then go, oh, yeah, I can see all that mm-hmm. in, in these pieces. So, yeah, and it's hand-painted. Um, I love manipulating fabric and working with fabric. So I, I, I hand-paint. Um, I love color. Um, I have a very strong sense of how to use it. So it's really where I kind of go with my fabrics. And um, because I'm so connected to my Latin culture, it's, as you would expect, full of color. Um, And I use a very traditional um, Salvadorian fabric um, just to bring that element in. Sounds lovely, like a real extension of you. Yeah, well, I think, like I said, like it was really hard... um, to kind of even call myself a fashion designer or textile designer because over the years I was told I wasn't a designer or um, I was led 
Well, I wasn't led to believe. I guess I just believed those words because they were people in places of, of in that, you know, at that time, places of power or, you know, teachers, tutors. And, um, and because in El Salvador, you really didn't have much of a culture of, you know, fashion design back when, you know, 2003, that it just felt like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I don't belong here. Um, but now, and through the past year or so, I mean, it's a completely different picture. So, yeah, it's definitely an extension of who I am. And, and that's why it's so personal and it's so hard to, to put it out there because, um, you know, it, well, you, you know, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Not so, but um, rejection is a big fear of mine. And so now I'm just kind of, you know, trying to like feel the fear and do it anyway yeah 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 i want to pick up a couple of bits um firstly just i feel like i'm just in this place right now where i am consciously aligning my life Mm. so you've talked about joy play and power like literally not necessarily power but joy and play being playful are definitely things that I am actively cultivating in my life and I'm actively wanting to share with people in my community um especially thinking so this space is designed with generation x women in mind so they are women that are in their 40s or approaching 40 and um in studies that i was looking at and and courses that i've attended we've talked about the life happiness graph and how um around your 40s well not around your 40s like in your 40s and some of your 50s your happiness takes a really sharp dip and I was looking at the reasons for this. And it's a period of time where we have more responsibility. If we look at it like a linear something, we've got more responsibility coming from above and more responsibility from com- coming from below. Whether you're a parent or not, quite often when you're this age, you have some kind of caring responsibility or generally the people that um, gravitate towards my brand are quite professional or they have a a business or something and they have more responsibility in whatever it is they're doing at work and from like above they also may have some responsibility for people within their family or social network so everything can feel really heavy and full of responsibility and I was really thinking about that and um, our levels of happiness and it's no surprise to me that happiness dips because there's we believe that there's less room for joy and there's less room for play so we don't actively do things that make us feel joyful or help us to tap into our joy and tap into our playfulness because we become so serious and quite frankly boring so it's really beautiful to hear you talk about how joy and playfulness are parts of your business and the other thing that I um, resonate with um, is your talk about only recently being able to call yourself a fashion designer. And I really, so previously there was a fashion element of this brand and I forayed into fashion before um, and mm-hmm. I've never felt comfortable with owning that title. And I thought it was because I don't come from a fashion background. I don't have fashion qualifications 
it was self-taught and it was more about the message than the design element so to speak Mm. and then what I've realized is that that transferred into other areas so when people have referred to elements of what I do as coaching I've really resisted that and when people have talked about other things I've resisted I've resisted that also because for me okay it's confidence I'll be straight up but also because I was brought up to believe that you need to be qualified and do all this training to be able to say this is my title Um, and being of a West African background when I was growing up talking about what I want to do when I was older or when I become an adult it was always about a profession and a profession always requires years of education and then continuous training and all of that sort of stuff Um, so I'm really actively trying hard to own my title and I think we find that really difficult especially when we're changing from something to something else yeah um I there's a couple of things that you've touched upon there which I think are really interesting so the first one is is kind of tapping into our joy and inherent playfulness Mm -hmm. because I mean I am a mom I have two kids um my oldest one is 11 my youngest one is three so I became a mom at 23. Um, I was just finishing my last year at university. And uh, and obviously it wasn't planned. It was a beautiful surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um, but I think um, having become, a, I mean, now, you know, that I see it, you know, I'm much older uh, and I hope a bit wiser. But I think having become a mom at that age um, meant that I wasn't kind of, mature enough you know and I'm using um air quotes um because there was an inherent sort of understanding between her and me and there still is even now where we're you know of course I'm her parent but there is also a a kind of um camaraderie Mm -hmm. useful camaraderie that 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 came along with that um with being a mom in my early 20s you know which many people don't talk about. Many people just say, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, let alone be a mom in your teens. And, you know, there's obviously things that come with that. But mm-hmm. People don't talk about the fact that it's, you're still kind of growing up yourself. And so you can see the magic, you know, that kids see through their eyes. And you kind of, I think you're more able to to tap into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, sort of hold on to it a bit longer. And, Funnily enough, and, and I hope that your listeners will, will try this out if they're interested in tapping into the playfulness and joy, because my first job coming out of university um, was in a company called Antidote. And basically, they do uh, singing, dancing, and games uh, uh, events for adults, basically, to, to kind of remind them, you know, that that we are still playful inside. and. Yep. and Tapping into that means that you can then tap into an element of creativity that maybe you thought you didn't have. It also, it's a brilliant way to see where your limiting beliefs are. So in a game, you can easily see, you know, um, you, you know, we could play Wink Murder, which is like a, a classic sort of child game. But if you play it as an adult, you really get to see how, what roles you play. You know, do you, do you try and like sabotage the game? Do you join in and, like, get into character and sort of try and be the best, you know, 
to discover who's who's the 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 murderer or do you kind of shy away and maybe don't want to participate you know all these personalities come out Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did that job for five years so I think it was a brilliant um way again of, of staying in touch with that you know side of myself and um and you know the other day you know it's been super windy <laughs> in the past couple of days and uh, I was carrying a plastic bag inside another bag and the plastic bag just flew away because of the wind and you know my inherent reaction was like chase after the bag you know in the middle of the road and uh, I was trying to hold it with my foot and I couldn't and then it kept flying away and then you know it became this game and it was really fun I don't know and then this sounds guy, like everyday joy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy in the shop just started laughing, and I was like, "I can't catch this bag," and it just went flying away. I mean, I managed in the end, so mm-hmm. there was satisfaction of getting it. But I love that. Like, I know people wouldn't do that; they would be too embarrassed, you know, because you don't want to run after a bag that's being drawn by the wind. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, totally. <laughs> and I just think, my goodness, there are so many times that I have chastised myself or criticised myself because I in comparison to other people yes comparison in comparison to other people sometimes I find myself quite childlike and Mm -hmm. I do have a childlike quality and I used to really like I would say something do something speak somewhere then I think oh gosh I shouldn't have been so gesticular um I, I need to be more serious and I thought in doing work on myself and in trying to allow myself to expand into the person that I'm clearly on the cusp of being, but holding myself back with limiting beliefs. One of the things that I realised was a limiting belief was my critique of my playfulness. So through a whole series of doing work and looking at that, I um, have been developing affirmations for myself. I love affirmations and I usually use affirmation cards by um, Nicola Ray Wickham of A Life More Inspired. And I remember when I first got the affirmation cards from her, she was saying, um, it's really powerful if you create your own. Like, these are fantastic, um, but the real magic is in creating your own. So an affirmation that has been really powerful for me is um, my playfulness is my vitality. So I'm not looking at it as critique anymore. That is a source of my vitality. That is something that I use to raise my vibrations so I can go out into the world how I want to rather than how I should. And it makes all the difference. Mm, Yeah, yeah. I love that um, vitality because it is true. It kind of does bring you some life or something, some 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 spark or some inner joke that only you can understand or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you say about being or chastising yourself from that because I remember in school back in El Salvador, I went to a British school, so we had the British system. So we had head students and, you know, prefects and all that kind of stuff. And I I was up for the for the position of head student. Uh, it was four of us and uh, in the interview I think I was, was nervous but also I was just kind of giddy and, and smiling and you know it was just being me and and one of the comments from one of the um, I think the headmaster or someone was like oh you know um, how would you deal with the situation because I can see you're very bubbly and very uh, excitable or something <coughs> so 
it was seen in a negative way. And I remember leaving that interview thinking, oh, God, okay, so I can't be too happy or too joyful or too giddy because that's perceived as a negative thing or a weakness or something you know you're uh, saying, is there any wonder why the world is in the state it is in currently if that's the way we are thinking exactly and then I grew up I mean uh, you know I was 15 at the time must have been 16 and then coming here, one of the constant criticisms that I got from my textiles was that it wasn't sophisticated enough, <laughs> that it was too raw or too, um, that, you know, can you make it more, it, yeah, the, the comment was constantly sophisticated, you know, mm-hmm. it's not sophisticated enough. And, and I guess at that time I thought, oh gosh, okay, so I need to be more sophisticated. I don't even know what that meant exactly. Like, was it the colors? Was it the materials? I don't know. But I then took that as, well, okay, if I'm not sophisticated, then this stuff that I'm doing is not good enough, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, now, you know, 10 years after the fact or, you know, whatever it is, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally unsophisticated and I love, it, you know, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, obviously you start going, you know, building these stories inside of your head. And and it's true. I mean, normally people tell you these things at certain points in your life and you internalize them. And then you go your whole life believing these stories. And then th- those are the things that limit us, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, it's been quite a journey to, well, like you say, doing work on myself in the same way because I'm very much into personal development. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I actually talked to uh, Jennifer McFarlane, which you've ah. before. Yeah. I love <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, but she's someone that embodies joy, you know, in such a beautiful way that I feel like, yes, I want, you know, to be around people like that because you're right, you know, it's, it's so hard in the world anyway and I'm not saying you know oh yes let's always laugh about things because there are serious things that happen in life and and I've had serious things happen in my life but I know that dealing with those situations like you know really tricky you know personal situations there must be a better way to deal with it than to get all I don't know rubbed up and 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 you know depleted and depressed about it there must be a better way absolutely because you're just you put yourself in a position where you're actively consuming right so when we're when well when I'm talking about this I'm not talking about ignoring things that happen Mm. things happen and it's not about pretending that they don't exist but for me I am a big consumer I love little bits of information and if they um, awaken something in me enough I will do some full-on research spending ages and ages reading all the things about that particular whatever it is but what I find is that news focuses on negativity that's it and as human beings we are conditioned to focus on negativity because that keeps us small which means we stay safe all of that all that very primal stuff But what I was doing was consuming all of this stuff. It had nowhere to go. They weren't things that I could necessarily help with. Some of them are things that I couldn't change. Or 
some of them were things that I could change, but I couldn't change if I was operating at the frequency of the negativity that I was consuming. So, for example, I'm a black woman. There is always, and particularly now, um, people are much more switched on and aware of racism, discrimination, all of that sort of Mm. stuff. And it has spawned beautiful, impactful conversations which has led to action about race about disability about gender sexuality the whole gambit which is really great but 95 percent of the time if I'm consuming this stuff and talking about it on social media I'm just adding to the noise if Mm. I am being mindful about what I'm consuming I have more space to be creative and my creativity I believe naturally creates some form of antidote to mm-hmm. all of that negative news cycle and opens up people to thinking about people differently. So, for example, I'm a black woman who has decided to take up space in the arena of wellness. Mm. When you look at the news, you would think that black people don't have access or can't prioritise wellness because half the time we're not even in survival. We are literally in battle proving our humanity. Yeah. If you see more black people having conversations about putting themselves um, in a place where they're visibly talking about less wellness that's what I'm talking about I think that that then opens up other people black people a to think actually today's not the day that I'm going to fight that battle today's the day that I'm going to look after myself and Mm. that will have a ripple effect on the people around me and for other people now this is not what I'm setting out to do I'm not setting out to prove myself to anybody but I do Mm. hope that people seeing me here doing this would have a different concept of what it is to be a black woman outside of struggle because otherwise my narrative is just about struggling yeah Yeah, I don't want that I'm not ignoring things that happen and when I feel that I have something meaningful to contribute or I can add something that makes change I will do that but I, I don't want notoriety and to be known just for somebody who talks about stuff online it's not helpful yeah 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 i mean i can totally relate with um you know the struggle uh, that comes with being from you know a non-white mm-hmm. sort of is you know coming from a latin american background i know our story is normally oh you immigrate into a country and then you go and do the um sort of jobs that you know cleaning jobs mm-hmm. or uh, well actually of the women that because I work with Latin American women to bring this collection um, to life because in part because I want to be able to say look at the amazing skills that we can bring it's not just about cleaning I mean there's nothing wrong with having a cleaning job I know that this mm-hmm, is how they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we're more than that mm-hmm. you know a movement in in America actually that is called uh, Latina made not made mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. it's about, um, um, well, trying to empower uh, our our community into saying, you know, we are made of so much more than the stereotypical things that we see in Hollywood movies, that we see 
in um, in the news, you know, immigration stuff is is rampant in mm-hmm. America at the moment, and uh, there's a big Latin American community here as well. And there's there's a really interesting thing that I'm trying to tackle, which is um, in government forms at the moment, um, you have all sorts of ethnicity boxes to tick, but there isn't a Latin American box or Hispanic, which is what you would call it. Um, but yet you have all the other combinations that you can think of. But for us, for me, it's always other. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have a problem with that, obviously, because I am part of not just London, the UK, but we are, you know, about a million of us here. We're kind of like the fifth or sixth community. In terms wow. Of and we don't have our, our space, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did contact my local MP and they are, they are supposedly revising this, uh, but I need to keep on chasing that up, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the women that I have managed to connect with here, um, there is a, a great uh, charity called Latin American Women's Foundation. They support women uh, that immigrate here with their families. Some of the kids who are already 11 years old and don't speak the language and don't know how to integrate in school, they can't, you know, and they were actually even getting depressed, these girls, like, you know, young teenage girls getting depressed because they couldn't, they didn't know how to integrate into society. And, and we had a workshop with them. I brought some of my fabrics and some of my textiles and paints and, and we talked about it and they created their pieces and, you know, just seeing their positive, creative impact on that, you know, an hour and a half session already made them so much more happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put them out of that negative state of mind. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them um, have kept in touch and, and, you know, they're like, oh, I'd love to, you know, somehow help you or yeah. work with you. Yeah. Like, yeah, love that, you know. Building so community. Building on that community and kind of saying you have a purpose, you know, you, you, you have more than a purpose that is way beyond what you think it is because obviously they see their parents, you know, struggling yeah. and that, you know, like I said, the cleaning job is the only thing that they can do. But actually, no, there is way more, you know, you just Absolutely. have to show them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talking about young people, you left El Salvador at the age of 17 yes. to pursue your fashion design dreams. <laughs> what was that like? And I'm asking because I actually left home at 17 um, and I thought I was really, really big. I thought I was really, really um, grown up. Um, But when I look back, not with regret, I'm like, wow, um, there are so many things I just didn't know, missed opportunities simply because of my age. So can you tell us a bit about leaving? And I just left home. You left country. So could you talk to us about leaving home at 17 to go to another country to study and start to make your own way in the world yeah um it's it's funny i never thought about it like as a big thing until recently because obviously my daughter is 11 and i'm like oh my gosh if she told me in five years okay i'm going across the ocean bye i'd be like what (laughs) so um but i think at the time for me i was just like well I want to be a fashion designer. I can't study this in El Salvador. I mean, at the time, we didn't have not even a museum of contemporary art. You know, it just wasn't something that was in part of the, commu- of mm-hmm. the culture. 
So I was like, okay, so where can I go and study? And, you know, France came up, Italy came up. Uh, I didn't speak the languages, but I thought that's fine. I'll, I'll learn them because it's a similar sort of vibe to Spanish. I mm-hmm. thought, how would that be? And um, I, yeah, I was pretty gung-ho because I, I basically did all the research. You know, we did have internet at the time, which was helpful. Um, I think it was dialogue still. but Wow. I know. <laughs> um, but um, I did all the research and I presented it to my parents and I said, um, this is where I want to go. First, I'll learn Italian in Florence for six months. And this is where it is. And this is where I'll live. And, you know, this is how much it costs. And I did the whole thing and uh, kind of presented it to them. And uh, and they were like, OK, let's see what we can do, you know. And that's kind of how it, it sort of happened. And it's always been the case for me where um, I kind of go on and, and figure it out, I mm-hmm. suppose. Mm-hmm. And ask for what I need. I'm really. I mean, that's the one thing that I'm good at. In you know, other things too. But definitely, I ask for what I need and what I want. Like, yeah, you've got to do that. In yeah, life. I, and I teach my kids that all the time. Um, and so I and I graduated high school and um, and then I left and uh, it was an adventure. I mean, I I never saw it. I was sad, kind of, but I was more excited about what could be. Mm-hmm. Curious. Mm-hmm. Curiosity is a very important thing to have. And I think that is tied in many ways to playfulness, I think. And so I was just curious, you know, about learning a new language, meeting new people, um, going to Europe. I'd never been to Europe until I was 17. So I'd read about it, but, you know, it's different, mm-hmm. you know okay I'm gonna go there um, and uh, and yeah and so that's kind of like the journey started mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. of no because I, I read you there. saying that very quickly you realized that being in Milan um, lacked the authenticity you wanted and that's really powerful at 17 because especially in an industry like the fashion industry where it is to a degree no not to a degree there's a lot of conforming to the industry standard until Mm. you get to a point where you are recognized enough to be able to make your own way so at 17 Mm. to think actually mm -mm, I'm not playing this game this isn't for me I'm going to go somewhere else that I don't know I think that's 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 huge how did you Stand still and listen to your own voice rather than get carried away in the industry voice. Well, I I think it was, it's very interesting. I think I have a very strong sense of wanting to belong. And maybe because I felt like I didn't belong in El Salvador a bit, maybe, because I was always in this creative sort of bubble and that wasn't part of the culture. So it's like, where do I belong here? Oh, wait, no, I don't. I I knew, I think, how to recognize the feeling of not belonging Mm -hmm. at that time. And I think when I moved to Milan after I finished sort of learning the language in Florence, I moved to Milan. And, you know, I'd never really been in the industry. So it was a big bucket of cold water to kind of see it in the flesh and that it was very much you know 
everything that we know, that we think we know, that was happening there. You know, it was air kissing. It was, um, what are you wearing? Where are you going? And I had no, I mean, I had no interest necessarily in branded uh, luxury fashion. That wasn't the thing that interested me. That What interested me about fashion is how we can use clothes to become something that we have inside, but clothes help us reach that state. Um, and that's not what I was seeing in there. And that I've always had really clear that that's my interest in clothes. And it's about telling stories, you know, like I have dresses in my closet now that belong to my mom and a couple that belong to my grandmother, you mm -hmm. know, and the thing that I'm interested in. And it's not what I would encounter in the, you know, in the, in the backstage of, uh, of Milan fashion week, which yeah. I was fisting at and, and it was manic and, and, you know, models that towered over me, you know, and barely looked at me because I'm so short anyway, <laughs> you know? And so I was just like, uh, yeah, this is not me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there is a, I think I have a pretty strong sense of intuition. And so inside, you know, when you, when something isn't right, it, it fe you feel something in your belly maybe, or it feels weird. Your stomach starts to crumble a bit. And, you know, like, I think listening to your body for those signs is really important. Absolutely. When you're trying to find your way in life. And um, and so that that really wasn't for me. And, you know, it it just so happened that my brother at that time was diagnosed with cancer and Ooh. he's in remission now and and well. Good. Um, but it, the timing of it meant that I just went. F this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the US because he lived in the US. And I'm going to be with him and I'm going to help in whatever I can. And I'm going to try and figure this out, you know, because this is not for me. Yeah. And so the timing of that worked in my favor. Mm -hmm. It was a very tragic thing. So, yeah. So that was a really interesting um, sort of, you know. It's like a guide. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And I didn't obviously see it like that at that time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I remember using it that, you know, no, I need to go because my brother isn't well. I need to be there. I remember using that as a, as a, as a excuse almost to get out of it, you yeah. know. Yeah. And now I come to realize I want it out. And that just happened to be at the same, same time. Yeah, yeah. So, Speaking of America, yeah. you spent a night in immigration jail. Oh, God. <laughs> And you're not, you haven't been able to return to America since. That's right. Yeah. How, how has that really unfortunate event, does your brother still live there? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Damn, so you're not able to visit him. No. How has that tragedy, tragedy even, turned out to be a blessing? Oh, well, <laughs> it's so funny because like, I mean, like I was saying, you know, about Latin Americans and the narrative that we always go through. Well, hell, I live that narrative, obviously not to the extent that some people do. But, you know, I guess sometimes we can't escape that, <laughs> that kind of story. And uh, basically, I'd been with my brother because he was in the U.S. and he was unwell. I'd gone there with, you know, you get six months uh, visa permit when you're there as a tourist. And, you know, I was 19. I mean, I was 
I was figuring things out Mm -hmm. people I was you know there as well with him supporting in whatever I could and then it's like this time this thing is about to run out I need to leave and then I thought well it's fine I'm gonna come back here and finish my studies here in Alabama because that's where he lived at the time Alabama I I know (laughs) (laughs) and I'm gonna find something that sort of resembles fashion and that's what I'm gonna do like that was my plan right uh, I'd applied for for a student visa and I had the interview with the university, everything, all my paperwork and everything. And I said, well, I'm leaving, you know, because I need to leave. And then I'm going to come back and go to university there. Great. So I leave. I go to Mexico for like two weeks to Cancun or something because it was like a spring break thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm fine. You know, I come back all tanned with braids in my hair. Mm, as you do as you do from the beach and you know I'm like with my papers and they're like oh can you go to the room and I'm like okay yeah fine I'll go to the room go to the room and they start like checking all my papers and they even grab my handbag and they looked inside my handbag and I had like five dollars in my wallet and the guy is like why do you only have five dollars in your wallet and I'm like well because I just came back from holiday and I've spent my money I don't have any more and do you usually walk around with like a thousand dollars in your purse on an ordinary day come on but but, you know this this is the craziness of the immigration system and then well anyway I didn't leave the room (laughs) until until the evening and after they like searched everything and I had this um, interview with an immigration officer and they even questioned how come I spoke English so well which I thought this is insane like so I had to like put on a high horse and I was like, well, I was lucky enough to go to a bilingual school in my country and that's where I learned it. Thank you very much. But, you know, I, I was just like, gosh, if this is how they react to, you know, a 19-year-old exactly. holiday sort of thing that is able to express herself and is able to then say, I'm sorry, we, your visa has to be removed completely and you have to go back to your country tomorrow. And I had to buy a ticket right there and then. They don't even, card. like, quote-unquote, deport you and put you on a plane. You have to do it yourself. You have to do it yourself. You're trying to get rid of me and I have to pay for the privilege? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> what if you didn't have the money? Would you have just sat in immigration jail? I, I, this is what I was, that I questioned, you know. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, use this credit card. And they were like, oh, you have a credit card? And I was like, yeah, thankfully, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and so... They charge it. I don't know because many people, I mean, I was there. I was the only girl, well, a woman, and everyone else was men. And so when they took us to the jail uh, that evening, we were separated. I was on one side of this, like, metallic little truck. And then on the other side were the men. But, you know. How scary. So, yeah, it was surreal, to say the least. And then I got to my cell and the... The woman who I was sharing the cell with, she'd been in prison for a year waiting for trial because she basically had a whole life, you know, and she was from, I think she was from Kenya. Um, And so she told me her story. I mean, but, you know, this is the kind of, I mean, of course, yes, I was scared, but I was also so fascinated by this experience, you know, and and it, it fueled me to kind of go like, how unfair is it is some of this stuff for for you know someone like me who 
I genuinely, you know, had no intentions of like working illegally or mm-hmm, anything. Mm-hmm. Just thought was naive, you know, and thought, oh yeah, they'll let me back in. Um, wow. And, you know, this woman who had her whole life in the US she had bank accounts she had a house she had cars how do you manage to amass all of that and be illegal I don't know (laughs) I don't know but see when when there's a will there's a way yeah (laughs) I don't know and um and so the next day and I remember I got my period as well and that was really oh bloody hell (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um so I had to ask for some some pads because they take everything they don't let you go in with anything um, they took the braids off because they what? said that, that yeah, the thre- I had threads in my braids and they took them off because the thread could be a a weapon, know, weapon or something. Blimey! I know, I know. I mean, I cried at night after I fell asleep because it was like just like this is insane. Yeah. Uh, and then the next day, I was in El Salvador, and uh, this yeah, and then a few months later. I was like, well, where else can I go? I speak English already, as they pointed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I came to London. <laughs> so I came to London. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I I met my husband here. My kids obviously were born here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the culture here, the community here uh, uh, is great in terms of me being able to feel like I do belong, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, that was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine myself living in Alabama, having to study <laughs> something that sort of related to what I wanted to do. I mean, it was. It, I'm so so thankful. I mean, I still. I mean, I do want to go back to the U.S. at some point. I've tried, but they've denied the visa. don't have enough economical background ties to this country or something and I'm like look I live here my husband here my kids are here they even said that I could take my kids and just stay in the U.S. or something and I'm like okay yes I guess wow wow that's absolute madness so now I'm I'm gonna go back with an old visa which is when I'm really famous (laughs) exactly exactly when they're inviting you to participate in New York Fashion Week Hello. So thinking about your studies, because you were thinking of doing some kind of related course in um, Alabama, um, you, whilst you were in the UK, um, you applied to Central St. Martins, like one of the holy grails of art schools in the UK, in the world. And um, they didn't accept your application to study fashion design. No. (laughs) So instead, you didn't let that deter you. You applied for something else well I did textile design yeah instead. yeah uh, so I did my found so I went so that was the other thing so in El Salvador although we did have um options to do art and that sort of creative thing I never thought of myself as a creative person back then and so um I thought oh I'm just gonna go for like you know the so I didn't think of myself as a creative person uh when I was in El Salvador and so, and so I just I went, went for, for like, like safe, safe bets, you know, like economics, business and physics, just because I loved the universe. Um, <laughs> and so 
I, I, I then kind of went, well, I don't have a portfolio and I kind of need one to go into these art schools here in London. So I came to prepare a portfolio. I brought some bits that I'd done over there, but nothing major. And uh, I did a course first in portfolio preparation at Bayamshaw, which, which was part of St. Martin's. I think now it doesn't exist. And then I went on to do my foundation at St. Martin's. And when you did your foundation, you, sh- you could then apply to the different VAs. And okay. I applied to women's wear. Yeah. Um, I mean, ultra competitive. <laughs> ultra competitive, that's like understatement. Um, I, but, but really interesting because, again, I got that feeling of I don't belong here. You know, like I could feel it there again but I was like well no but this is you know this is what you're meant to do if you want to be a fashion designer this is the the way you know so I I ignored it and I kept on doing the application I did the work that I need to do I did the interview and everything and in the end I didn't get in and uh so I went for textile design instead because in the process I found I found that I enjoyed the manipulation of fabric more than I did the actual creation of silhouettes okay. and the body. So, blessing in design. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yes, yeah. And so I did textile design at Chelsea, which was amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. friends that I met there, they're still my friends today and a group Beautiful. of us that still get together. And, yeah. you know, connection with people for me is like far and beyond something that I value very highly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when it happens, I feel I belong, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we need people. Yeah, people. That's yeah. it. And don't get me wrong, I love digital life as well. But ultimately, you know, for me, it's about people. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's move into business, uh, fashion business and mindset. So you started your own label, Mm. And in the information I received um, from Dawn, you say making money is easier than we think um, Mm -hmm. in a fashion business. That really piqued my interest because the narrative is it's really hard. And Mm -hmm. I've been to fashion talks, business seminars and all the rest of it. And what I hear time and time and time again from people that have their own independent label is that unless it is something that you are fully called to do unless you feel like your body will ache unless you do it don't do it because the story is that it takes so much investment before you start to see any money if at all um and my own experience um so the fashion element of my brand was all about simplifying your morning and bringing joy to your wardrobe simplifying your wardrobe um and my truth let me not hide. My truth is I did that because I believed in that concept and also I knew how to do it. My heart was never fully in it. So that probably set the tone anyway. Mm-hmm. But it requires it required of me a level of life energy investment and financial investment that I was not prepared to give to wait and see that financial reward and the um sort of for lack of a better description accolades that comes along with it I just thought Mm -hmm. 
there's so much resistance here. That's what my truth is. There was so much resistance there. I was like, no. And the joy that I get from the stuff to do which I'm, in which I'm facing people, whether it's group work, whether it's events, whether it is keynote speaking, those sorts of things, those are the things that light me up and make me bound out of bed ready for the day, whereas the fashion stuff was like a real drag. But forgetting my thing, bearing in mind the narrative around fashion is it takes damn ages for you to be able to make money that you can live on. Mm-hmm. How is it that you are in a place where you are of the view that making money from this business is easier than we tell ourselves? Well, I think a big part of it, and like you rightly pointed out, is, you know, if, if something feels like a pain in the bum to do, don't do it. <laughs> and I, you know, and I've, I've spent the past 10 years doing things that are easy for me to do, and I'm good at doing it's my zone of excellence, but it's not my zone of genius. Mm-hmm. And so I've been making okay money. You know, I even had a, a period where I worked in property because I'd had a big chunk of money come in from property development that I thought, oh, great. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into property development because yeah. money to be made there. And I spent two years there um, and... It was like the worst two years of my professional life, I think. <laughs> I actually got pregnant just at the end, so I think that was subconsciously a way to get out of a it. A nudge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so I, because, I've, again, I'm doing all this work on myself, I refuse to believe the story that we're told, you know, creative people um, struggle, you know, artists struggle with money. I mean, if you actually look at around you, I mean, sorry, there's paintings that sell for 20 million pounds, you know. I don't think that's struggling. I mean, you're going to find people that struggle in any 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 profession if you look for it. Yeah. You're going to find people that are doing really well if you look for it. You yeah. Know? So, and right now, whenever I'm looking at independent designers, whether it be for inspiration or collaboration, they're doing well. I mean, yeah. they might not be earning millions and billions, but, you know, I think that, and this is what the property experience showed me, is like, where is your wealth coming from? Is it the monetary or is it something else, you know? And that if you're thriving and growing in that other area the money will come I mean that is inevitable I have a screensaver in my phone and it says my success is inevitable Hello. and it depends you know what success means to you Yep. to me at the moment I mean I just launched the site on Friday oh congratulations International Women's Day yes International Women's Day it had to be that day and it wasn't perfect Mm -hmm. and Missing some product. Perfect is overrated and there's no such thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my little daughter got sick the day before I was meant to launch. And so I had to, you know, be with her instead of doing what I was meant to be doing. But but still, it's probably one of the most successful things I've done thus far, you know. And, it, and that is the thing, you know, how do we define success? Well, I think for me is being in flow knowing that what I'm doing is my zone of genius. 
mm-hmm. and brings me joy, you know, mm-hmm. that I go for two seconds and just take it in and breathe it in and be like, oh, God, can I just do this every day? Mm-hmm. And this happens when I'm painting my fabrics. And I think the energy that goes into making my product, and I also dance when I'm painting them, and I film myself and I post it. I think, I think that, that is success to me, you know, like products, products that are, are made with that kind of energy. Yes, please. You know, products that are made with the energy of factories in China, with people that aren't earning living wages with, you know, I mean, this is the irony of it all. It's like there's t-shirts and things that say sort of feminist dogans and stuff. But then if you look at the women that make Exactly. Or they are not being empowered to be feminists when they're earning pennies yeah on the on the hour so so i mean yeah that is how i am measuring and and, i mean don't get me wrong of course i want to make a living and and money is important and i'm unapologetic about it as well i want to make uh, earn a decent living living and um i know how much my dream life costs yeah i'm working yeah um, I guess it's about enjoying the journey and not being distracted by the destination. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. things, I mean, the things that have happened just in the past year and a bit that I'm like, how did that, I need it. So, so this is just like, and people think, oh, that's like a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in luck. I make my own luck and I make my own opportunity. Um, so, so I wanted, I wanted to, go to go to the Latin American Fashion Summit last November, November right? right? And, and it, was it was in Mexico, Mexico and it was uh, the investment of the flight, the investment of going there, the hotel, you know, it was like the ticket and da 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 And I was like, right. But from the moment I heard that this was happening, it was the first year they were doing it, I was like, I'm going to be there no matter what. Um, I needed, so the ticket was $500. So I was like, okay, who do I know? that I can ask for sponsorship. And I started looking at who the sponsors were. I found a company that is Salvadorian that was sponsoring them. I did this whole proposal for them, saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to do your social media. Um, all you have to do is sponsor me to be there. And I, you know, I take photography as well. I'm a professional photographer. That I'm not totally pro, but you know. Camera. So, you know, and I did this whole thing. And sent, and I... I found out an email of someone that worked there in the marketing department by asking other people. And I mean, this was like, you know, anyway, turns out the woman who was organizing the event is married to the owner of this company I sent the proposal to. She somehow got my proposal and sent me an email and said, I want to Fantastic. And so I spoke to her and she was like, oh my gosh, I love how tenacious you are. I love that you did this. You know what? I'm going to give you the ticket to come to the event. And so she gave me the ticket. I didn't have to do social media for anyone else. I did it for myself only. Wow. (laughs) I know. I know. And on top of that, I found another $500, which for some reason I had them in like a jewelry box somewhere in my closet. Waiting for this moment. I don't even know where that came from, but, you know, and I was just like, brilliant. This is what I'm going to use for the hotel. Great. So then I did pay my flights, but mm-hmm. then everything else 
was yeah 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 it was meant to be it was meant to be and so it's kind of like you have like yep this is what I want and then you're like okay how am I going to do it and then you start like you know unleashing yeah 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 you build the momentum and it just happens <laughs> so unleashing it and then you know you see what happens it yeah but something else would have so. those energy receptors are out there yeah, yeah waiting yeah. for you to activate them so before we wrap up this conversation I want to know why you chose um sustainable fashion well I think um I think there's just uh, a huge there's always been a huge sort of thing within me uh, from school about the environment and our planet. Um, I mean, I thought I was going to work for Greenpeace at some point. I'm sure that that there will be something that I do with them at one point in my life. But, mm-hmm. you know, and there was always that thing of like, oh, no, I, you know, I feel really bad seeing like all the things that I, I learned in school. You know, I remember the Exxon Valdez oil spilt and I cried and, and you know it just stayed with me and also because I think I'm very connected to my indigenous sort of um, roots and for that culture the environment mother earth is is goddess of mm-hmm. goddess you know and, mm-hmm. and the fact that must be paid it, it feels so um, powerful inside of me that whatever I did or I do, I try to consider it. And you know, I'm not like perfect in terms. You know, I do sometimes have a bottle of water that is plastic. You know, in no ways am I saying you know I've got this sorted and my brand is not 100% there yet. But definitely, the goal is to consider elements of slow fashion, which is fashion that takes time to be made and is not um you know every four weeks you have a new collection there's no way i would ever abide to that i also don't abide to um seasonal clothing because i think you can wear any clothes at whatever season it doesn't matter whether it's winter or summer you know you can you can still wear it like style it accordingly yeah i mean yeah. i the season stuff it's only something i learned here in europe i mean in in my country it's like hot all the time yeah yeah <laughs> so i just brought my summer clothes and like layered it on you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it can work colorful stuff in winter i mean all my stuff is neon and i hope you wear it in winter yeah i'll yeah. bring a ray of sunshine in my absolutely absolutely so i i think that it's just and and sometimes it's not even just about the planet it's just like Things take time, and we should be okay with things taking time, you know. I'm no Amazon, and unfortunately, I won't be able to deliver a dress to you tomorrow before 10 a.m., you know. But, I mean, like, how often in life, really, really, do we need to have a dress within 12 hours of ordering it? Not that often. Not really, no. We just like it because we can have it. Like, I love Amazon, Mm. and... I order books or whatever, and I think, oh, yeah, there's that book. I've got Amazon Prime, next day delivery. Mm-hmm. It stays in my bookcase for months before, before I have the opportunity to look at it. But at that moment in time, I needed to order it straight away. 
I had the thrill of knowing it was going to arrive the next day. So I've now consciously decided that's not what I'm doing anymore. I still put the books in my Amazon cart, but I don't order them immediately. I need to make space because I need to read the ones that I've got. That's That's so cool because I think is the thing. We've been used to it now and so we expect it and so... For independent brands, we do come up with that as a challenge. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Amazon expectation or the ASOS expectation. Um, but I think people are very conscious or becoming more conscious about this. And I, I, I have, I mean, I'm, I'm full of faith that um, there is a space for, for us, you know, for yeah. social designers, sustainable designer. I mean, definitely sustainability. Um, we need it because this planet we are killing it i know our home we are killing it the only one we have right exactly so exactly um, and also because i'm such a strong supporter of women and i i know i'm privileged in many ways um in in my upbringing and the fact that i you know was able to travel to this part of the world um legally Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, um, Theresa May. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and and I feel that, that that is my sort of responsibility in many ways to to you know support women that maybe haven't had it as easy as as I have or yeah. that lack you know maybe the language that's a big thing um, and so so for me that ethical side of things making sure that the women. That, that work with me or um, or that work with in any brand, uh, the people, you know, not just women, people that are being treated fairly because, um, you know, you want to live and be treated the same way that you want to be treated. Exactly. So that's just kind of fair. So before we go, you've talked a lot about mindset Please, could you share any resources such as books, podcasts or mm-hmm. strategies you use to get yourself in the right head and heart space to manifest this life that you want to live, that you are yeah. living? Um, so, yeah, I'm a big podcast junkie <laughs> and audiobook junkie as well. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's firstly, I think I make a very conscious choice of what I listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't listen to the news um, because of what, what you were saying before, you know, it's just so negative. Um, so I choose to, to offer positive uh, content. Um, so one of my sort of favorite episodes so far from the Oprah Masterclass uh, podcast was about her life. And I mean, I think I cried in the second part because... She ha- I didn't know, to be honest, how hard of a life she had growing up. She had it real hard with all caps. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, sexual abuse. Yeah. Poverty. Death. Yeah, yeah. Like, and if, and if you think of just, you know, she was, a, I mean, of course she's a person now, but we don't see her as that because we look at her as Oprah. She's Oprah, yeah. yeah. yeah but... To see someone like that start from where she started to where she is now, you're like, I mean, if she can do it, mm-hmm. why can't you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that episode in particular was was really powerful, so I recommend that a lot. And then um, 
the book that talks about being in your zone of genius and your zone of excellence is uh, The Big Leap. Oh, yes. Um, is it Gay is, Hicks or something like it that? It is, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a great book. Um, because, again, you know, you, you want to be in your zone of genius. And it's yeah. easy to be in the excellence zone. But once you're in the genius zone, you're like, oh, right, this is what it feels like. <laughs> so, and you just trip over opportunities. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I do is I wake up at six in the morning, um, four days a week. I used to do it five days a week, but now I do it four days a week. And I go to the gym uh, for 6.30 and I do my uh, my sort of half an hour. It doesn't have to be loads of exercise, just to yeah. get the body moving. Yeah. And I uh, meditate in the sauna. <laughs> oh, wow. Come yeah. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I mean, I've had periods of not doing it and yeah. I, and the difference in my mood and my state of mind is just really dramatic. And um, I used to say, oh gosh, but no, I don't have time, you know, six in the morning, Hello. I have kids, I have the, I mean, yeah. I would make up every excuse yeah. and I still do, you know, like mm-hmm, I still mm-hmm. do uh, Mel Robbins' five, four, three, two, one technique. Which is brilliant. Um, whenever you're having, whenever you're, basically, it's what it is is whenever you're, you hear yourself telling yourself like, oh no, I'll do it later, or I'll go tomorrow to the gym. You go five, four, three, two, one, and when you hit one, you get up no matter what. <laughs> I want to read something. I want yeah. to read something because it's it's. Um, this alignment stuff so I was reading something it's a it's a um I follow the daily stoic on uh Instagram um I've got quite into stoic philosophy and this post I had to screenshot it it says at dawn when you have trouble getting out of bed tell yourself I have to go to work as a human being what do I have to complain of if I'm going to do what I was born for the things I was brought into the world to do Or is this what I was created for, to huddle under the blankets and stay warm? But it's nicer here. So, you were born to feel nice instead of doing things and experiencing them? Do you see the plants, the birds, the ants, the spiders and bees going about their individual tasks, putting the world in order as best they can, and you're not willing to do your job as a human being? Why aren't you running to do what your nature demands? (laughs) I read that. And some yeah. other stuff as well. And it really put a different spin on things. Now, I'm not going to be going to the gym every morning. I know that about myself. I've, I've got to be honest. Can I move every morning? Can I get my heart rate pumping? Can I do something at home every morning if I'm not going to the gym? Or not necessarily in the morning at some point during my day? Yes, I can. And I was having a conversation on Instagram stories about meeting your needs and I know for me moving my body every day is a way of me meeting my needs because it puts me in a space where I can do that and one of the ladies that I'm connected with on Instagram she's a lovely lady she's one of my insta pals she said that because of her enduring chronic health health issues she -hmm. knows what her needs are but she can't meet all of her needs because of her health condition Mm -hmm. and whilst I'm not saying it's comparative or I'm saying oh my god I've got to be grateful because she hasn't got this we are all different you know it doesn't mean that we're not equal but we we are all different and we all have access to different things but I just thought to myself Tamu 
what some people consider to be a privilege you have at the tip of your you know the tip of your hands it's within your Mm -hmm. gift to be able to do it honor yourself and do it it wasn't telling myself off it wasn't you know like when parents will say to their children oh there are starving children in the world why don't you eat your dinner I made it really personal like this is a joy and a privilege let me use it and since then every day I've done something to literally just raise my vibration and set the tone for the day yeah I think you're right I mean I go to the gym because it's literally five minutes from me if it oh, was so is mine <laughs> if, it was, if it was further away I yeah and, and it's still hard but I think on the days that I you know want to do something I dance yes here in the living room because yep. That's I, I that gets me moving and it just shifts the energy inside. Mm-hmm. And um, I had back issues. I actually had surgery in 2014. Wow. And since not I mean, and I am a big believer of chronic not chronic pain, meaning something else is happening inside of you and trauma pain is trauma and. I've started to shift that pain, not just with physical exercise, gym, you know, getting my core strong, which is the thing that I'm working on, but mentally, you mm-hmm. know, doing mm-hmm. the thing that I want to be doing, painting, feeling in the joy. I'm telling you, my back issues, I wouldn't say they're gone because that's not true, but the pain is definitely not as intense as it was when I had this and I was doing the property job. Yeah. See, you know, psychosomatic your body's telling like, you mm. yeah totally. so listening to your body is 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 huge mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you've got to be still enough to to be able to do that so tell us what do you have coming up where can people find you and buy your beautiful <laughs> hand-painted hand-embroidered goods yeah. well the so the vagina t-shirts are the ones that are up on the side at the okay. moment and it's a very tastefully drawn illustrated uh, embroidered uh, vagina with a with a slogan of sort of empowerment like viva la vida so live life bruja mm-hmm. uh, magic which magic <laughs> and then heaven is here because heaven is there mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and, uh, and um, spoiled venus because Sometimes, you know, we have to be a bit spoiled with ourselves. Absolutely, all the time. So you can go to carogomez.com to find them. And then this week I'll be adding the new products in, or more products in, which are the um, A-line skirts. With your hand-painted? Yeah, hand-painted A-line skirts with with elastic because we all need space for our dessert. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, wide leg trousers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so carogomez.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at carogomez underscore London. And uh, you'll see me creating, dancing, uh, and doing bits and bobs with my kids, um, all wrapped up into a very colorful feed. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Caro, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed talking to you um i am also a fan of um oprah's masterclass my favorite one was with um jay-z so i think i'm going to dive back into the one that you talked about actually at some point not today because today's creation day um and i look forward to seeing your business blossom and unfold thank you for being here
Thank you so much for having me. And I, I find your podcast is very soothing because you have a very soothing voice. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Do you know what? I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just accepting that. Thank you very much. Take care. Yeah. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast. Like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.